Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, on Tuesday last, on Taoiseach Michal Martin announced that from the 12th of April, all residential and childcare facility construction projects could restart. Conor O'Connell is the director of the Southern Region for the Construction Industry Federation, and he joins me now to share his thoughts on the phase reopening of the construction industry, along with the opportunities and challenges that lie ahead. Conor, Tuesday's announcement contains some long-awaited good news for the construction industry. Thanks, Carl. Absolutely. We are, look, the residential construction sector is very satisfied that they're returning to work. It's been a very difficult period, as you know, for everyone in this country in relation to all the restrictions. Um, housing is a vital product, as we know. Um, we have to get housing up and going again. We estimate that we've lost 10,000 units, or we may lose the production of 10,000 units this year as a result of the lockdown of the residential construction sector. So absolutely, Carl, that's, that's very good news. It's good news as well for the 14,000 construction workers that we estimate will be returning to residential construction sites right throughout Ireland. However, Carl, there's always a however, um, we would have to say that we're disappointed in relation to other aspects of the industry um, that are not allowed to reopen yet. And we look forward to a positive decision towards the end of April uh, on the, on for those particular contractors as well that are undertaking other types of works. And as you say, Conor, there wasn't a mention of the wider construction industry in terms of when they will return to work. If you were to estimate it today, when would you expect them to go back? Um, look, Carl, you have to be optimistic. Um, uh, you know, the, vaccination, the vaccines are beginning to roll out. Um, look, in the construction sector, we're very positive in our outlook. Look, we've had a particularly ne- negative period, just like the rest of the country, you know. But having said that, um, I, I, I would be hopeful that we get back um, towards the end of April, uh, start of May. I, I, you know, but again, Carl, all of this is speculation. We just don't know what way... Um, everything is going to go over the next number of weeks, you know, but we'd be very hopeful that the whole of the construction sector gets back up and running sooner rather than later. It's an interesting statistic. It's a big number, 10,000 houses behind as a result of the rolling lockdowns. How long will it take to get back on track with those housing targets? I just don't know, Carl. Look, it's going to take a period of recovery. Look, last year, um, last year we were pleasantly surprised in terms of the market conditions when the industry reopened again. Uh, we were pleasantly surprised in terms of the production. Look, the good weather helped last year. Hopefully, the good weather will be good again um, this year. So there may be an element to catch up. But certainly, I would, I would guesstimate that it will be certainly well into next year before we catch up with where we were. You know. Um, this is the second lockdown in a period of 12 months so that has an enormous impact on supply chains it has enormous impact on production and given the time of the year where we're shut down as well Carl traditionally you know house builders like getting into the foundations at the earlier point of the year and handing over the units you know just before Christmas or you know in the autumn winter Um, so look it's been very disruptive Carl but look we're back on site so what is a realistic target for house building from next week to the end of the year, in your opinion, Connor? We did some estimates following uh, various detailed surveys of our members and an analysis of the statistics. Look, and uh, it's fifteen to 16,000 units 
Um, prior to pre-COVID, we were, we were hoping to reach a target of 28,000. Post-COVID, the target for this year was 21,000. With the lockdown at the earlier part of this year, look, we were hoping that we'll reach a target of around, uh, around uh, 16,000 units, you know. But it's 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 very hard, really, um, Carl. There's a number of factors, the market conditions, you know, weather, as I said. But we'd be hopeful uh, of regaining some of the lost ground, but there's no guarantees, Carl. Um, we're concerned as well for a lot of our clients. You know, the construction industry is, by and large, a service industry. Um, we produce our products for our clients and our clients in the housing sector, some of them for private home sales, for instance, you know, will be, you know, their mortgage approvals. We're hearing anecdotally that some people in their mortgage approvals are running out of time. So, look, it's it's going to be a high um, high pressure environment once you get back. But we, we're looking forward to getting back on April the 12th. And of course, what's different this time around is that the UK variant B117 is far more contagious. So what additional public health measures will the CIF be advising its members to take to protect their employees on site? We've revised our standard operating procedures. We've revised our online induction. Um, As you know, we introduced those last year. Um, The industry is very good at risk assessment. Um, We're used to the workers involved in the construction sector. They assess the risks in front of them on a daily basis. They wear PPE. They're used to wearing PPE as part of the working day. And so all of those measures that are already in place, but additional measures, we are looking, for instance, in our SOP at reducing, um, you know, vans um, to single occupancy where possible. Um, We will be having a webinar for all our members that are returning to work um, to reintroduce them to all good health and safety practices uh, to contain the spread of COVID in the construction sector. Uh, our figures have been good, Carol, uh, relatively speaking, given the numbers at work. Um, you know, it has been trending downwards since January. So, I mean, there was the statistics there that there was zero outbreaks on construction sites in, in uh, for one week in January when there was, you know, when we were at the peak of the current um, outbreak of this variant. Um, it is a highly transmissible variant and we will be doing our utmost. Those construction companies and workers that are coming back into the workplace uh, on April the 12th, you know, they have a duty of care to themselves, to their families. Uh, We have a duty of care to them. Um, And there is very, very good buy-in amongst the workforce. They understand that if there's outbreaks, that if they don't carry out, um, you know, a proper risk assessment, if they don't carry out their duties in a safe manner by wearing masks or whatever it may take, that their livelihoods, their jobs are at risk, Carl. Connor, I'm also aware that we've lost a large number of Eastern European construction workers to the UK as a result of these lockdowns. Do you expect that once the sites reopen here that those people will return? I just don't know, Carl. Um, that's, that's a very difficult question to, to answer. You know, um, some of those construction workers may have family links here. Um, so, But we will be concerned, obviously, about the supply chain um, once we reopen on April 12th. Um, I think, Carl, in our experience, these kind of factors, they, they work themselves out over time. Obviously, you know, we are on a, on a, we were pre-COVID and we still are now look, looking at the market. It does look good. But, um, we, always, um, we always get the job done, Carl. We always find the resources to do the job. Um, sometimes it may be more difficult than others, maybe more costly than other times. 
Um, but I would be confident that once the industry resumes and keeps open, that um, the workers will come uh, back into the construction sector from abroad, those that we've lost. And in terms of opportunities in the construction sector over the coming years, in May of last year, your colleague Tom Parlin joined me on the programme. And at the time, he was of the opinion that the greatest opportunities in the foreseeable future were in the construction of social housing and extensions to multinational sites. Almost 12 months on, are you of the same opinion? I'd be much broader than that. I think that um, there's going to be, actually, the market is very good. What we're seeing at the moment in regional Ireland in particular is that we're seeing right across the country is that the market for new homes, um, we see people moving home um, to their original town or locality um, for quality of life reasons. Um, The job opportunities are there now. In fact, um, uh, one member said to you there recently um, in relation to transport, that broadband is the new transport. It's the new way of getting to work. Um, so we will be very, very confident about construction opportunities in regional Ireland going forward. If you look at Wexford there, for instance, now at the moment, Carl, you know, the Ennis Carty bypass has been completed. New Ross bypass has been completed. Ross Port seems to be booming at the moment. There's going to be significant opportunities, we believe, for warehousing, logistics types, uh, construction projects. You've got uh, Trinity Wharf got 17 million euro, I think, from the Urban Regeneration and Development Fund. So that's a very, very exciting um, project there, being driven by Wexford County Council, um, who have a lot of initiatives there in terms of uh, remote working hubs as well. Um, so we will be very, very confident that um, we're going to see. I honestly believe in regional Ireland, we're going to see a boom in the construction industry over the next five to ten years. Well, that's great to hear, Connor. Now, I want to talk to you next about the National Housing Strategy, as it may pose a significant challenge for your members over the coming years due to the density requirements prescribed within the strategy. When these requirements are considered in the context of rural locations such as Wexford, the stipulation of 35 residential units per hectare would mean that apartments would need to be included in residential developments. And this is just not feasible across rural Ireland. We're absolutely incredibly frustrated with the interpretation of the identity guidelines, the guidelines. However, you know, we do have, um, as you know, the Wexford County Development Plan is currently out for review at the moment. The Office of the Planning Regulator has made a submission to that and a reply to the original draft requiring certain amendments and changes to be made or are seeking, sorry, for certain, for certain um, amendments to be made to that development plan. We're extremely concerned about a rigid interpretation of a density guideline that should only really be applied to our made to and that's even arguable should it be applied to all our urban centres as well, Carl, um, because it's causing difficulty for our members everywhere. Um, apartments are simply, by and large, outside one or two postcodes in the Dublin area, they're simply not viable. Um, there's been report after report in relation to the cost of constructing apartments. The industry cannot construct units where there's no demand for them. There's a limited demand for for apartments um, and they're generally within the urban core. There needs to be, we need to trust our local planners to plan for the locality that they're, that they're operating in. Now, I do also want to talk to you about an announcement that was made this week, again around rural Ireland. Our rural future, the Rural Development Policy 2021 to 2025, was launched by the government earlier this week and it's dubbed as the blueprint to transform rural Ireland. What are your thoughts on this? I'm sure it's something that's very much welcomed by CIF, is it, Connor? 
Absolutely. I mean, as, as we were talking already there, Carl, look, there is, I, 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 that transition is happening already. People want to, and we've seen it, we've seen it particularly over the last 12 months, people want quality of life, quality of life. Uh, broadband is the new transport corridor. Um, they can uh, remain working and living um, where they were born, where they were raised, where they have the family ties, etc. And we're finding more and more, uh, and the market is, is is illustrating that as well. There is huge demand in regional Ireland at the moment for residential, and um, this policy kind of underpins what is actually happening anyway. You know, these remote working hubs, 20% of public sector, you know, with the ability to work remotely by 2021, which is, you know, very, very close. So all of that is, is very welcome. And you'd have to be very positive about regional Ireland in particular over the next number of years. If you look at the, the job statistics there and you look at employment growth in the southeast from uh, 2015, you'll see that I think there's been 2,000 extra jobs created in the ICT sector. You know, nearly 2,000 extra jobs created in, um, in, in, in other sectors as well all of which can work remotely. And it's, I, I think it's a very exciting thing for regional Ireland. Of course, there's been record levels of personal saving in Ireland over the past 12 months, and many people have made the decision to invest in renovating and refurbishing their homes and gardens. I'm also hearing that the black market, of course, is booming as a result. One way of curbing the black market is to introduce a home improvement scheme with a VAT refund. That would ensure that registered, insured tax-compliant contractors would be completing the works. Is that something that CIF would be in favour of and would lobby for? Look, it's, it's, um, I've, I've heard talk about it recently, Carl. We haven't taken a formal position on it, but certainly anything to help the regulated sector of the industry will be very much welcome. We're facing a challenge at the moment where, um, and this is all anecdotally as well, you know, workers have, construction workers, as an industry, our psychology is to get things done, you know, to build it and move on. So it's the same with the workers. Workers aren't going to sit at home. Um, they find it very, very difficult to do that. So we know anecdotally a lot of them have been working in maybe, um, I'd call it the unregulated sector of our industry, you know, as you say, carrying out maybe extensions or working on one-off housing units. Um, not, not that all of those are, are unregulated, of course, either, Carl. But look, we, we're going to face a challenge getting them uh, maybe back to the more regulated sites in the, in the coming in the coming weeks and months. So certainly any measure like that would be very much welcome, yeah, uh, especially to support our members who are buying, who are, who are the regulated uh, segment of the market. Um, look, we've also have got the Construction Industry Register of Ireland. The CIF set it up a number of years ago. We've called for it to be placed on the statutory footing. Um, that only allows contractors who have the adequate insurances and, and other measures in place. So, look, it's, it's anything that would help the regulated sector of the market would be very much welcome, yes, Carol. Connor, I'm also hearing about rising transport and material costs. I was given an example that a container coming in from China 12 months ago was costing about $2,500. Now the cost is $10,000. I'd be interested to hear your take on that. And also to hear if Brexit is having any compounded effect on rising construction-related costs. Carl, you're very well informed. Yes, so we've, we've heard um, the, the global supply chain has been interrupted as a result of COVID. What we've been told is that as a result of the huge demands for PPE and other materials during COVID from China, um, that um, the containers are now going back to China empty, which is adding to those transportation costs. So yes, we are seeing price inflation at the moment, or cost inflation in relation to certain materials. 
Um, steel has gone up by certain types of steel have gone up nearly 30%. Timber as well, um, due to a number of different factors, you know, including our own regulatory environment in relation to um, licensing for tree felling, etc. Um, so we are facing significant cost inflation at the moment, yes, Carl, and it is a concern. And Connor, we spoke earlier about the challenges facing the construction industry from a staffing perspective, but in the medium term, construction apprenticeships are the solution to providing the industry with a new generation of construction trades. So what is the CIF doing to promote these apprenticeships and to attract more people into them? Look, we have engaged in a number of different measures, you know. Um, we've done school visits. Um, we have engaged in an extensive, actually, series of school visits over the last number of years in the southeast region and every region in Ireland to explain the careers that are available in the construction sector. Um, you know, we spoke to the pupils. We've uh, spoken to Solis about um, setting up a, a dedicated website, a website for recruiting people into the construction sector. Um, as you know, and I've heard there last week, an extra €20 million Euro has been allocated to Solis uh, to facilitate the rollout of apprenticeships um, this year alone, an extra €20 million. Euro. So, look, we've engaged in a, in a lot of different processes, but it is a significant challenge, Carol, to get people away young people away from this idea that you have to get so many points and go to college. Um, you know, you can earn while you learn the construction sector. Um, we have a great apprenticeship system. Um, we are facing a significant challenge, though, with the bricklaying, plastering and painting trades in particular, Carol. Um, it's, it's proving difficult. It's proving a significant challenge to attract people into those trades in particular. Uh, electricians, uh, fitters, plumbers, they have... Um, you know, they have, we've seen a significant upturn in the numbers going into those trades, but unfortunately, it's um, the challenge remains in relation to plastering and bricklaying in particular. Carpentry is doing okay, it could do better, um, but look, as I said, there's huge challenges, huge demand, and that old expression, you know, if you're a good tradesman, you'll never have a poor day, Carol, uh, has never been truer, you know, and will never be truer, given demand for the construction services over the next number of years. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Conor O'Connell, the Director of the Southern Region for the Construction Industry Federation. And I'd like to thank Conor for highlighting some of the opportunities and challenges that face the construction industry over the coming months. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.